When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Matt Lieb. And I'm Vince Mancini. And this is Pod Pod Yourself a Gun, a Sopranos podcast where Vince Mancini and I go through every single episode of The Sopranos and talk about about it. It It is, uh, we thank you so much for listening to our show again. If this is your first time here, what's up? Uh, and if this is your 35th time here or however long we've been doing this for, um, just to remind you to please give us five stars and a review on the podcast app, whichever one that you use. I mean, some people use the Apple one. That's a good one. Um, but then there's other ones that also, I don't, I don't really know any of the other ones that allow you to do like five stars in a review, but if you could, it would be very helpful. Isn't if that you right, don't Vince? have a computer, just write your review on a poster board and uh, leave it in front of your house like a campaign poster. That works for us. Just make sure to take a picture of it so that we can post it online. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. And also, follow us, uh, our Twitter and uh, Instagram accounts, at uh, Pot Yourself Agon on both those things. They are manned by our producer, uh, Brent Flyberg. And uh, he does a he does a great job. So if I can, you know, just do do all those things for the love of God, please yeah. let him wet his beak. Know. Yeah, let him want to bring on a little bit. Um. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, today is uh, a very very special episode uh, of The Sopranos and of this podcast because not only are we talking about probably one of the most famous episodes of The Sopranos, but we are also talking with our good, good friend. You know him from the Daily Zeitgeist. Ladies and gentlemen, our guest today is Jack O'Brien. Hey, hey. What's, what's going on, guys? What's up, dude? Hi, thank you for up? Thank you for coming on to talk Sopranos with your boys. Uh, I'm very thrilled to be here. Such an honor to uh, talk about this episode, which yeah. I'm now realizing it's not cool to say is your favorite episode of The Sopranos. Yes. It's like being like, Michael Jordan is my favorite basketball player. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> right. Just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know who's good at hockey? <laughs> Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. You really, it's, it's weird because we do a lot of these like, counterintuitive takes on this podcast just through the kind of process of rewatching you kind of rewatch episodes and realize oh that i remember liking this like i remember liking Polly more than anyone but now i kind of think i like bobby the most and you know shit like that mm. but rewatching this episode um i gotta say it holds up um yeah it, it is it is pine barrens that we're going to be talking about but first jack uh so are you a sopranos fan 
I am. Yeah. I mean, I watched it when it was on and I haven't really messed with it that much since then. Mm-hmm. Other than uh, my co-host of the Daily Zeitgeist, Miles Gray, yeah, uh, has plays a lot of scenes uh, in the yeah. office or when we were all in the office, and uh, that has reminded me how uh, hilarious the show is. But yeah, this was really, um, you know, in addition to making me realize that the episode I've been saying is my favorite was one that I only remembered like two scenes from. Um, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There. <laughs> there Listen. The fact that you uh, are a guest on this podcast who has seen the entire series, that already puts you in the like 90th percentile. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, cause yeah. we, we have a lot of guests who have seen some of it, and uh, we don't care because uh, every time we have a guest on that has seen every episode a thousand times, I'm always like, ah, even if he hadn't seen it, it would have been good. You yeah. know? Yeah. It's just people who like TV too much... Uh, you know, they they end up starting worse podcasts. You know, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. That's right. That's what I say. Um, but, you know. but yeah, I, I love the show. I love this episode, and I watched it. Uh, the, I think this might have been the last show that I watched, like as it was coming on yeah. weekly. Mm-hmm. Like usually, I do a thing called binge, oh, where I've I watch episodes uh, like compulsively, like I'm binging on food, mm. uh, which is why I call it that. But this. Mm. I That's think this series I watched that without DVR. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, use that. Yeah, this Someone is yeah. like that. the last of appointment TV, as they say. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Watched yeah. it without DVR at by candlelight, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I long, will say- long ago. While jacking uh, off to an etching of a pretty lady <laughs> on, a, on a block of wood. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yep. Uh, I'll say that Great British Bake Off has now officially entered, uh, has joined the chat in terms of my uh, watching appointment TV, um, because now Netflix isn't like putting them all out at once, or maybe mm. they never did. I'm um, still confused by it. Like, I feel like I need a user's manual for Great British Baking Show just to know like when the episode is. It once a week? Is that what's happening? It's once a week on Fridays, okay. which was a terrible disappointment to me last week when i uh started watching the season and realized uh thought that it came out on tuesdays mm. but that's only uh in the uk which yeah. is um just a that's a, just a terrible disappointment it's for a, me it's but, a hellish yeah. place where people use makeup to make their faces look yellow for some reason that's the thing that i can't get over on the great british great <laughs> baking show is that people constantly look weird colors and i'm like does that look different in PAL form? Like, do they still have PAL right. format in England? Because it makes everybody look strange and yellow, and I yeah, don't understand what's it's happening. An, it's an entire island of people whose fashion sense is hepatitis C. And, <laughs> That's right. And it's, uh, I think that it's like the their foundation of their makeup matches their teeth. Uh, yeah. it's, it's like, hey, I'm yeah. white, and my They've teeth are white. Yeah. stout since they were like 11 so <laughs> yeah, probably not true. great for for the old complexion uh-huh. yeah. i do feel like that show is the opposite of sopranos like one thing i remembered immediately because i watched this episode and the christmas one right before it uh just to like kind of get back into the flow mm-hmm. and i i was immediately taken back to how much this show stresses me the fuck out uh-huh. like, yeah i was yeah. like oh just so much like they not only is there like ambient anxiety, but they like nail what it feels like. Like they, it's mm-hmm. like the paint that they paint with is yes. is just like anxiety and how it like 
how the thing that you're worried about that's messing with the back of your mind like kind of keeps coming back and weaving its way into your daily life. <laughs> yeah. 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 And whereas great British uh British baking show uh, it's just kind of no stress. I mean, there is yeah. stress well, on it's that a show. show but- that's a show where everyone's nice and sweet. And The Sopranos exactly. is a show where everyone's a very special, unique asshole. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can, you know what? I'm impressed. Uh, or I'm entertained watching sociopaths. I'm entertained watching baking. It all, it's all the same to yeah. me. Yeah. Um, but let's get into this episode. But of course, before we do, it is time to play the theme song. Pod. 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 Podcast. Pod. 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 Podcast. Fuck yeah. Now we're back. Now we're ready. We're ready to pod. We've set the tone. We've set the tone for the pod, and now it's time to pod on. Um, so today, we're going to be talking about, from Season 3, Episode 11 of The Sopranos, uh, and it is called Pine Barrens. And uh, this episode premiered May, what is it, May 5th or May 6th? 6th. May 6th, 2000. Well, that's what you wrote down. I hope it's right. Yeah, I think it's right. It's, I mean, doesn't matter. It's yeah, one May of those 6th. days. Yeah, May 6, 2001, uh, a, you know, a, a date uh, which will live in infamy, probably. <laughs> I don't know. You tell me, Vince. Mm-hmm. It'll live uh, in the Pine Barrens somewhere. We don't know. Yeah. It's wandering out there still. Yeah, but like what happened, though, on that day, though? See, that was, that's what I was trying to. <laughs> uh, oh, <laughs> oh, oh. It was an well, attempted segue. Okay. Yeah, you sorry, see what I, I missed trying? that. Yeah, no. I, you know what I mean? Uh, I do like now. Di- so, yeah, we got we, to find out why. <laughs> That is, we got to take uh, the remember when machine. Remember when is the lowest form of conversation. <laughs> you got to do regular segues from now on. I don't, I don't, I don't understand these fancy ones. You got to give me like a high sign or something. I feel like we're getting close though to the point where we're going to be able to do segues like no look passes. Yeah. You know, John Stockton to Carl Malone style. Mm-hmm. That one you just like hit Kurt Rambis in the face and knocked his glasses on the floor with. But uh, that's you know. true. <laughs> yeah. That's- um, so yeah, May sixth, two thousand one. Some of the things uh, that happened on this day: um, John Pope John Paul II and J.P. Deuce. Uh, he went to Syria and he became the first popa to enter a mosque. Oh, check that out! So, Look at what. What did he did he try to convert people or was no, he just he like was uh, you know he was telling the Middle East to simmer down? Oh well, yes. that worked. <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens when you yeah. send jp deuce to a mosque everyone's just like maybe we should destroy western civilization mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's um, uh it's a lot of fun another another headline this one's uh from the new york post and it's it's called let the other shoe drop um for young single women, Sex in the City character, Carrie Bradshaw, is much more influential than any financial guru, according to a survey by Oppenheimer Funds. 
Mm. The survey found that 54% of young single women are more likely to acquire 30 pairs of shoes before saving $30,000 in retirement assets. Um, that First finding, of all, yeah, can I just say that both of those things seem very unlikely to me? Like, I don't see myself having 30 <laughs> pairs of shoes or $30,000 in retirement assets. And also, like, those two things are not equivalent. Like, <laughs> no. Parker can't, you, you can buy shoes and save at the same time. You know, it's not like, uh, you know, every hype beast I know is broke. Well, every hype beast I know is broke. But in this case, we're talking about 2001. Were were women who collected shoes back in the day were they the like the original hype beasts like you mm-hmm. know the sneakerheads except they weren't sneakers they were more yeah the Manolo Baton yeah yeah but uh, yeah she was very you know that show if if ever we do another HBO rewatch show uh, and we won't but if we do <laughs> uh, you know Sex in the City might be one that I'd no. be interested in no. Oh, the thing about Sex and the City is All it's right. the same show every time, and yeah, like every every character falls so painfully into like their own um, shtick and never breaks out of it that it's uh, oh. it's a bit much for me. I'll say it's that. a little he formulaic, had the funkiest tasting spunk. That's my impression <laughs> of. Uh, <laughs> that's actually Anna Hosnia's impression of Kim. Oh uh, no, yeah, sounds, that's that's such that a Samantha right. thing to say. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of her whole vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That just happens over and over again. Yeah, just people talking about how cum tastes weird. And then it, uh, I, I Kristen think, Davis yeah. acts, you know, she clutches her pearls because she's a shy virgin. And, uh, yeah, because she's, yeah, she's the hot one. And she gets yeah. sad about her husband's penis not working. Oh, that's right. a bum. Yeah. That's a yeah. big bummer, dude. And then Miranda's spunky, so she moves to Brooklyn. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. She runs yeah. for that was, state like, unheard of. legislature. Yeah. yeah, and ends yeah. up having, like, really good politics. Yeah. I would re- we got one they- good thing out of that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so another thing that happened um, was the, this was the day that they, it actually happened on Saturday, so it happened mm-hmm. the day before this, but uh, actor Robert Blake's wife was shot to death outside a restaurant, and... Uh, it wasn't you know, me. I'm just saying, he might have done it. I, I don't know. It wasn't him. He even got me in a shower? Like, no, I, I mean, you know, didn't he get off? Like, he didn't, like, he got free. So, this is his story. This is, yeah, he got off. And, like, his excuse for this uh, is incredible. Um, Robert Blake, best known for his role as streetwise detective in the 1970s television series, Beretta, was enmeshed in a real-life police drama Saturday after his wife was fatally shot in the couple's parked car outside a Studio City restaurant Friday night. Now, here's the the official story from Robert Mm -hmm. Blake. Blake told police that he had left his wife, Bonnie Blakely, in their Dodge Stealth after dinner and returned to Vitello's, a popular neighborhood restaurant establishment. He went back to Vitello's to get a handgun that had slipped from his waistband, according to his lawyer. Happens. That's so, normal, and <laughs> I don't see how it's relevant. You know how sometimes, you know how sometimes you're sitting at dinner and your gun falls out? Or you yeah. go, actually you go out to your car, and then you remember right. you left your gun inside the restaurant, and while yeah, you're picking yeah. up your gun, someone shoots your wife to death. <laughs> it ha- literally happens all the time. That shit yeah. is like very normal, and I don't see how bringing that up uh, is relevant to the court case here, buddy. You know, actor Beretta never did shit. Good man, good good. What's what's his wife's name? Bonnie Blakely. Yeah, Bonnie Bakley- Blakely. Blakely. Bonnie Bakley, yeah. This says Bakley. I'm, I was pretty sure it was Blakely. Maybe they got that Wait, wrong. 
Bonnie. His name is Robert Blake, and her name is Bonnie Bakley Blake. <laughs> wow, <laughs> Bakley Blake. <laughs> Bakley Blake, as fast as you can. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, I mean, we shouldn't. Uh, R.I.P. To yeah, right. a real one, but uh, damn, that's. Uh, I remember when that happened, and it was like the beginnings of like uh, uh, of a few takes after he got off. It was the beginning of a hot take. It was like one of the first hot takes I ever heard was like, "Did he get off because he's a celebrity and white?" And I was just like, "Oh shit!" And, <laughs> and, yeah, that's crazy, dude. I never Wait, so you think he did? No, no, he couldn't. You, you think he did? Nah, no, not him. He's yeah. too famous for yeah, to, too to famous. murder his wife. Would he make right. up a story about leaving his gun inside the restaurant if he was really guilty? That's just, <laughs> no one would do Honest, that. Yeah, it, it, he he really did go for like the Goebbels thing, where like bigger the lie, the more people will believe it. Like yeah, right. he was because I was like, I don't think he would make that up. Uh, yeah. So what happened was. Uh, <laughs> I have my gun. I noticed I don't have gun. Yeah. So you know how when people say it looked like I definitely kill her? Turn out I didn't have my gun. You know how left. when you leave place, you check pockets. You're like wallet, <laughs> keys, cell phone, gun. Wallet, keys, cell phone, gun. I noticed no gun. So I go back yeah. inside. Next thing you know, she dead. Um, next thing you know, Beretta wiped it. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, that's interesting. So what, yeah. what were the movies that were popular when this episode came uh, out. The top movies in the country were The Mummy Returns, uh, Driven, yes. and Bridget Jones' Diary. Oh, hell yeah, hell yeah. Top pop song is still All For You by Janet Jackson. Still and, at the top of the charts. And the top rock song also a holdover. Do you know this song spent 20 weeks at number one? Uh, I didn't, but it makes sense. Are you talking about It's Been a While by it's Stained? It's Been a While by Stained, yeah. No, it's a great song, and it deserved uh, every ounce of acclaim that it got. Right, but we're we're taking up too much time. We gotta we gotta get into our talk of Pine Barrens, which is pro- probably at least the most remembered title of any Sopranos episode. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was saying I was saying that I like remember the. T- it's the only episode that I remember the title, and that's probably why I call it my favorite episode because mm-hmm. I just remember the title, so I yeah. can call it my favorite. Episode. I I have right. a theory about that. Go ahead. What's your theory? So I think this is a very good episode. I don't think it's the best Sopranos episode, but I think mm-hmm. it stands out in everyone's mind because it leaves you with a cliffhanger and it's like full of. It, it you're full, filled with tension because of course mm-hmm. you know this Russian's out there somewhere and and any you keep thinking that any second he's gonna like jump down through the car roof mm-hmm. or 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 come up through uh, the snow and start killing people and then he never does so you you're left with that feeling of like what's gonna happen next and I I don't know there's something very memorable about that whole situation um, that mm-hmm. just sort of sticks with you yeah. yeah. I don't know another show that did that. That was like, <laughs> yeah. this killer is out there and he's probably going to come back and we're never going to address it again. Like <laughs> yeah. that's, that is, uh, it almost hung over it, the whole series. Yeah. In a way. For the rest of the show, I was ready for this dude to just pop out of a corner. And yeah. then like that seemed to be what they were going for with the final episode, because it was just like all these different people who you mm-hmm. felt like, might kill him and yeah he's like looking around the corner right yeah. you're just ready for somebody to pop out so this guy yeah definitely for a show that already made me feel anxious all the time like i was <laughs> felt like i had like 
they had cut to the slasher movie like POV shot and then right. like cut back to the victim and you're just like waiting for the rest of the <laughs> yeah. series for something to happen. Um, yeah. No, but, I mean, it, it, it is definitely a memorable episode for the reasons that you guys are stating, but also because it is, uh, I think up to this point, um, you know, one of the funniest episodes of The Sopranos, probably one of the funniest episodes of television I had seen, uh, you know, uh, I guess at that point in my life. Like it was, it's memorably funny. There's multiple moments in this episode that you you just take with you. Uh, and it's not just the tension, but it's like the jokes. Like this episode has jokes, which is uh, one of the reasons I love it. But let's I, do uh, yeah. a quick synopsis. What What is this episode about, according to HBO Max? In this episode, directed by Steve Buscemi, Paul and Chris, huh? Polly and Christopher are engulfed in a nightmarish journey into the South Jersey woods while trying to collect a debt from a Russian mobster. Meanwhile, Meadow is suspicious that Jackie Jr. is two-timing her, and Tony, Tony finds that family demands are jeopardizing his romance with Gloria. Yeah, yeah, that is, it's about right. That is about right. But, uh, you know, uh, wouldn't be an episode of Pod Yourself a Gun without some Bada B stories. Um, Matt, and, what are uh, those Bada B stories? Well, this week I have something different, um, something just uh so much worse than i've ever done uh <laughs> i can't Vince, wait uh oh no. I, I actually i have audio of it oh so well, it's pre-recorded it, we're not doing it live no, fuck no, it we're doing, doing it, it live. not live fuck it we're not doing it live there we go want to tell you about this episode it's called pine barons Silvio has a slight cold, and Meadow does too, and Pi gotta get the money from a crazy Russian dude. Well, he goes up to his apartment, and he walks into the room, and he drops the universal remote, and then he chokes him with the lamp. And then Tony's gonna go meet a girl who's kind of like his mom. Yeah, Tony meet Gloria. And Gloria acts a lot like his mom. It's Tony's definitely fucking his mom. Yeah, Tony's having sex with his mom. All right. That's, yeah, that was uh, that was beautiful. You know, uh, I did that. Uh, so, um, just for a little bit of background, uh, I'm currently at um, uh, my girlfriend's mom's house in Palo Alto uh, to celebrate uh, Thanksgiving with the with the fam, and uh, I recorded that song while uh, they went to the grocery store because I was so embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> to be doing it, um, especially the parts where I talk about the fact that he's definitely fucking his mom. But anyways, uh, so yeah, those are the Bada B stories. I mean, simply put, the uh, Polly and Chrissy get lost in the woods, and yeah. uh, some stuff happens with Gloria. That's so, what happened. Yeah. Um, this is also by far the longest Wikipedia entry of any Sopranos episode. Po- Makes you know, sense. Yeah, for, for obvious reasons, probably. Yeah. Um, do we want to go chronologically here? Yeah, I mean, we could. I, I, I feel like just quickly talking about kind of what's going on here with Tony and Gloria. 
is kind of a, a quick a quick way to go with this. Like to me, this episode is not really about anything other than Chris and Polly getting lost in the woods. And the B stories in this episode uh, have to do with Jackie and Meadow. Um, hitting a rough patch in their relationship and Tony kind of dealing with the other side of Gloria, the angrier side. Mm-hmm. Um, they so yeah, do actually play that song Gloria as Gloria drives up yeah, to yeah. her. Yeah. So. Which is, I, I'm going to say, I'll say. It's a song I hate, by the way. I just want to point out, I, I don't know if I can just fully express how much I hate Van Morrison. And I might be the only person who, like, I, I think people do genuinely like him. I hate his music more than anything in the world. There's something about the way he sings uh, that makes me think he like uh, he like fucks a lot and wants you to know. I don't know. There's something about it. I just don't so like cool. him. He's yeah, cool. He's, he's, he's too cool for me. I can't, yeah, I can't stand him. I'm not into his music, but I do love his politics. Uh, he has some really yes. great. Uh, he just wrote a song that was like uh, about how the COVID-19 thing is like a hoax and no. like, yeah <laughs> out here baby <laughs> oh thank god it makes yeah. me feel better about never liking his music i have uh, no idea I, I have to say I, I love his voice a lot um but uh um, he does strike you as a guy who would have terrible politics even just not yeah. knowing anything about him other than the fact that uh you know, he'll, he start every song starts off with like a great hook, and he sings sings it really well. And I love his voice. And then it all just descends into him warbling. And like some of yeah. his songs are just like comically just constant gibberish warbling. And and, and get, correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't he Irish? I think that's right. He, so he's putting on this affectation that I don't like. I've never liked that. Like I'd rather he was just like you know, oh, Jesus doesn't like it when you stop your wife. You know, like I <laughs> yeah. want. I, I just be Irish. I've never understood, yeah. like, uh, you know, that's it's she's like a brown eyed girl. She's drinking whiskey. And <laughs> she's a goddamn brown eyed girl. And this brown eyed girl fights her da. Um, <laughs> always fight your da. Uh, and you did actually give me that direction what, before we started recording. You're like, O'Brien, that's <laughs> yeah. uh, could you just Irish it up a little bit for me? <laughs> could you be this more is, Irish, is, please? You're a little American, man. Yeah, a little, little bit too American for me. Um, but yeah, uh, it starts off with the song Gloria. Gloria walks into the Stugats, which is Tony's boat. Um, Stugats? <laughs> Stugats. Yeah. Uh, listen, I, I, pro- I want to say Stugats. I don't, don't want to be offensive, but you pronounce that very Jewishly. I did. I did. But I heard someone else call it the Stugats on the show. <laughs> and I was like, hey. I'm just I'm going to go with that. OK. But yeah. uh, so she walks onto the boat. Uh, the song Gloria is playing. She goes up to the uh, what do you call it? Like the sound system and turns down the music that was apparently apparently on the boat. Gloria was playing. Right. Which is strange. Very Tony. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, uh, of course, she uh, picks up a phone call. It turns out it's from the Russian. And this is when uh, they kind of have their, you know, their first kind of medium fight that, that mm-hmm. we see. You know, we see uh, Tony, you know. Yeah, Gloria why? is definitely doing the thing, like, where she acts like she's not fucking a married man and, uh, <laughs> and, and has been innocent of it this entire time. Yeah, and, and like, you know, she's she's also psychoanalyzing him which has got to be probably the worst thing about dating someone who's also in therapy uh, <laughs> yeah. 
you know, because when you're dating someone and you're in therapy, you know, it's it's one thing to be like, you know, I'm going to I'm going to tell you when actually what you're doing uh, is projection or, you know, whatnot. But if you're also in therapy and someone is trying to, like, basically rehash their own therapy with you, I, I think it would piss me off. Uh, I don't you know, she she tells them like, oh, so the reason that you lied to me was not because it didn't have anything to do with me. It was because you didn't want to piss me off. And, uh, and Tony is, you know, maybe a little bit too stupid to fully understand what she means. And then she just throws her, throws his gift that she got from Morocco into the sea. Yeah. Which is very, very overdramatic. Well, people she- always talk about the, you know, the Russian as the as the un as the strand that we, the th- strand of the story that we never find out about, but we also don't know what else she got him from Morocco. That's, no one ever asked right that because there's a second gift that comes from Morocco that he's wearing later. That's like a yeah yeah. So did were there two? Did she go back and fish that out? Um, or maybe she bought two of the same gift, knowing one of them was going to get thrown in the sea. She was going to dramatically throw, yeah. One yeah. Of the, knowing me, yeah. one of these gifts is going in the ocean. <laughs> I'm going to better I buy could, an extra. I could see it. You know, she's been to therapy long enough to know herself, and she knows that uh, she will dramatically destroy a gift that she went fucking 5,000 miles to get him. Right. Um, and yeah, the uh, Tony spends this episode, in terms of his relationship with Gloria, um, kind of, uh, number one, dealing with the fact that she's a bit more emotional than uh, he thought she would be, not as easygoing as the relationship had started out. But Up also, until now, he thought she was perfect, even though we as the yeah. viewer saw some signs that she might not be perfect. But uh, he was right. convinced this was, this was the perfect Gumar. But he also spends the majority of his time with uh, Gloria, um, taking work calls right before, like during the, you know, the meet. Like mm-hmm. he takes a work call while fucking. He takes a work call while she's like getting dinner ready for him. After and, fucking. Uh, yeah. Yeah. See, to me, <laughs> this whole yeah. thing was is why I've never considered having a mistress because it just seems like a, like you have one monogamous relationship. That's already like so much work. Imagine like doing all that work uh over again and then also having to like try and hide it from one person. Like that just seems like even if you yeah. you'd have to sleep only four hours a night and be like James Bond or something. It's why I've always said that anyone who like uh, cheats on their wife with a mistress, you know, respect straight up, you know, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. it's like, damn, dude, You've always said that you yeah. I've always said that. I was like, damn, you got to work hard. That's two people who you are definitely pleasing, you know? <laughs> yeah. G- good for you. Um, yeah. And so Tony, uh, you know, Tony does talk to Melfi about, this uh relationship he twice in this episode decides to uh um be bold and honest uh and both times i don't know both times i feel like he had ulterior motives um he's doing like a the weird, first time he's doing a weird thing where he's telling melfi about this like almost like he's rubbing it in her face like yeah it's it, for some reason he takes this relationship as Something that he needs to throw in Melfi's face, which is very odd. The conversation he has with her where he's 
he like tries to turn it into like flirting with Melfi and he's like, she got great legs just like you. And <laughs> it's, and like makes this like weird, like face. I don't know that that's one thing that stood out to me more in rewatching it is just like what a fucking like monstrous piece of shit Tony is <laughs> yeah. like just in terms of toxic masculinity, just like so awful. He, ta- he like, sort of makes like the Donald Trump asshole mouth face like he yeah exactly you know yeah. trump always does that butthole mouth uh thing mm-hmm. he kind of does uh-huh. that in like a flirty way which is uh yeah very off-putting he's just like ah keep keep joking around your time's almost off it's like that yeah shouldn't be something you have to put up with yeah right yeah yeah keep joking this is your dime yeah and and like he straight up says you know uh, don't get jealous, which is like uh. such a fucking fuck boy <laughs> oh, thing to say. Oh, yeah. oh like are you jealous? Fifteen year old girl. Yeah, yeah, that really like, is yeah. though. That is. Oh, you're yeah. jealous of my boyfriend? Whatever. Oh dude. yeah. <laughs> uh, wow. I guess you're just a hater, Melfi. No, and it's like clear. It's like you are number one trying to make her jealous, and number two, Melfi is kind of. Uh, throwing some shade back and i'm not even uh, sure if he's if she's throwing shade back at him or gloria because she, she's she, she's doing the thing where she's like you know there's so many things i could say right now about why yeah. you shouldn't date this crazy woman because i'm her therapist but i'm not gonna the, say him because you seem smugly happy for some reason and i just know all this yeah. smugness is gonna go come before a fall so i just want to watch you fall on your face and discover it for yourself yeah, and and he, uh, it's great because it's like you know she makes me happy and like she gives away the game in my opinion. Anyone who's perceptive in the slightest would have taken the next line as like a warning sign. But she goes, "Huh? Does does she seem happy to you?" Yeah, <laughs> which is like <laughs> <laughs> that's, that, that seems wildly unprofessional. Uh, wildly also on her yeah, part. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, mm. okay yeah no man that's yeah you do you buddy and why wouldn't he pick it up like if that's one of those things where if i heard that i'd be like what what tell me what is she not is there something wrong could you like he's too much of a self-involved know-it-all he's like ah ah she's jealous uh, yeah (laughs) and also she's jealous and also he's you know he is kind of riding high on this relationship kind of working out because not only is is he you know getting whatever sexual or emotional satisfaction um from gloria but uh you know he's also fixing his marriage and his relationship with his kids by cheating like in his mind it's it's not really the therapy that's helping him with his family it's the mistress yeah well, that's the funny thing about, for my suggested alternate title for this episode, I wrote down, uh, it's the therapy, because that's that's Tony's like winking response to why everything's going great in his life. Ah, it's right. the therapy. Sure, I miss most appointments, and I don't take my meds anymore, but uh, yeah, it's yeah, a therapy. Sometimes, yeah. So Gloria ends up, um, you know, mad and then happy, mad and then happy. Uh, <clears throat> eventually, Gloria... Uh, you know, sets a date with Tony um, and Tony misses it or is late by multiple hours. Well, that was uh, the um, that was the uh, Ray Liotta attempting to um, cut the Coke and stir the sauce and pick up the guns all in the same day moment. Like, you know, yes, you knew when Tony agreed 
to meet her not just for a lunch quickie but also for dinner that something mm-hmm. was gonna bad was gonna happen and it was gonna fuck it up and um yeah it ended up being chris and Polly with the russians but mm-hmm. uh yeah so the, the funny thing about that was like well there was a moment first where he was supposed to leave his house but mm-hmm. uh carm's parents have come over because they just came back from uh hugh's uh appointment with the ophthalmologist and and he's about to leave and carmela says my father has glaucoma and my favorite part of the episode is just the look on tony's face where he realizes that my father has glaucoma is the ultimate trump card and that it's yeah. gonna supersede whatever excuse he tries to give at that moment yeah he's like ah, and, and what's well, what's gotta wor- stick what's this worse- one out for a few more hours <laughs> what's worse is he's he's uh hungry which is a theme in this episode <laughs> Uh, but he, he, you know, he is not eating dinner, uh, and, and Carm notices it and goes like, you're not eating. He's like, oh, I had a big lunch when really what he's doing is he's saving his appetite, uh, for a, uh, for a giant steak. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A London broil that, uh, that Gloria is going to make. So now he's hungry, he's horny, he's ready to go. And fucking Hugh comes in is like, I've got glaucoma and he's got to stay. So he shows up to Gloria's late. I feel like the the glaucoma is a great example of the way this show just it's not it's not like the frenzied end of Goodfellas where it's like got to keep the soup going, got to cut the coke, got to, you know, mm-hmm. it's like and then my wife's parents show up and he's got fucking glaucoma. It's just like the <laughs> slow motion just like way that shit piles on and on itself is Yeah, so it's great it's this show realized that um a thing that's a thousand times more exciting and suspenseful than like a helicopter uh, <laughs> over your head following you from place to place in a gangster movie is just like people randomly getting cancer. Like, <laughs> right, right. like yeah. that's that's what they do. They're, it's not it's not about the action. It's about like the inane, you know, uh, human mortality and, uh, you know, just aging and just all the existential stuff none of the helicopters sopranos yeah so um i guess do we we go into the russian storyline now or do we go with meadow and jackie first just real quick um i i uh i just one of one of the scenes that i really enjoy um not just because it's a fun scene but because the actress who plays gloria whose name is probably a really annabella shura (laughs) that's it this is a very this is a, we love movies on this podcast. Yeah. Um uh she it's it, it she's just she does a fantastic job. It's great acting and it's one of my favorite things ever to see her freak out and throw a steak uh the London broil right at Tony mm-hmm. and I I have a clip of that. Okay, before I I got to pipe up with some trivia um oh. in, in this one is uh Director Steve Buscemi successfully threw the stake at James Gandolfini's head in the scene of Tony's argument with Gloria Trillo. Neither Annabella Sierra nor the prop handlers had been able to hit Gandolfini. Ah, that's nice. amazing. Fun it little, actually is very hard to like on that guy. <laughs> hitting a target, um, you know, on camera is, is not is not a simple task, especially with a big old London broil. That's a very '80s cut of steak. I like that they. That's that a very like... cartoon <laughs> cut of yeah, steak. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Are you kidding me? It's an emergency. Well, what do you think? You fucking whore? Just calm down. No, you think you're just gonna come over here and fuck me? You know what? I don't got time for this shit. Oh, now you're gonna leave your low life piece of shit. You know what? Here, take your fucking dinner. <laughs> Bang. Hey, fuck 
<laughs> it's amazing too because the the whoever fucking did the foley on that steak hitting him yeah. that guy deserves <laughs> an emmy yeah. that's a perfect steak thump that is uh it is wonderful. i do want to say real quick that i you said it's hard to hit somebody with a steak on camera but i i actually am very good at it and it's easy for me oh um, well but, you know yeah. secret talent everyone's got a talent yeah yeah yeah, yeah exactly um, um <laughs> yeah yeah so to, to get into um, <clears throat> the next uh, theme, before we get into the Russians, which is, you know, coming up in a second, but uh, it's Jackie and Meadow hitting a rough patch in their relationship. Now, this is just um, a handful of scenes in this in this episode. This, um, to me, was some of the most successful comedy in this episode. I think Oh yeah. one of the things I noticed about um, Steve Buscemi's directing style is, and maybe it's the writing, too, but... Uh, He's a little more on the nose sitcommy than a lot of the Sopranos episode. Like there's mm. certain Yo, jokes yeah. where they're like they're good. What sitcoms do is they'll take a good punchline over whether it's believable for that character in that moment, you know? Yes. And the Sopranos rarely does that, but Steve or well, this episode does that over and over where and, and and most of the time it hits really good. A couple of the times it, it's like a little too unbelievable for the character in that moment, but uh I think it it it, it it hit the point perf- most perfectly in all of the Jackie Jr. scenes, like the yeah. way that he goes over to to Meadows when she's sick, and just the way that he's sitting on her bed, but he's kind of doing what my dog does, where like he knows he's not allowed on the furniture, so he just puts his front paws on the couch, like to say like <laughs> he like try to he tries to do like adjust the tip thing, and right. Um, Jackie Jr. is sort of doing the opposite of that, where he doesn't want to fully lay on the bed, and he still has his shoes on. <laughs> like he has—he's clearly not staying because he still has his shoes on. Yeah, he's ready to go, um, and he's also—he's putting up with a game of Scrabble, um, <laughs> and dominating. The, the, yeah, the game of Scrabble to me was such a fucking funny device, uh, <laughs> just because it—it it, it ends up. It ends up doing so much work. I've never seen a board game do so much like uh, expository work in a show before, um, because they're 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 playing a game. And first, uh, <laughs> first the fact that um, uh, Meadow gets a double word score on the word oblique, and and <laughs> Jackie thinks it's Spanish. Yeah. Is, okay. This kind of reminds yeah. me of, uh, I feel like every girl that I've ever played Scrabble with has beaten my ass. And I think that's partly because for some reason, like I, I get hung up on trying to make cool words and I don't pay attention to the uh, like the actual scores mm. on the board where like, you know, if you put a certain letter in a certain place, you get triple score or whatever. Right. And uh, yeah. Yeah. You fuck up because you're, you're not thinking about strategy. You're thinking about a, a word so long and impressive that they'll think you right. fuck good. Yeah. No, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. That's the I was going to say it's because I lack guile, but I think it's both of those things. It's yeah. both those things. But you're uh, an actually, artist. You're about the art. Yeah. Of I'm too. Cool yeah. I'm too arrogant to. You know, the poet. to concern myself with uh, terrestrial things like how much scores, <laughs> like scores, yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, I I have a clip of uh, Meadow and Jackie playing Scrabble. In order to set up this clip, uh, <laughs> they're playing Scrabble. She plays oblique, and then he plays the word ass. Yeah, he she yeah. plays oblique, which he thinks is Spanish, which is oblique. Right. Come on, <laughs> it's called Meadow Jackie Scrabble. Then, uh, how about giving me some? 
Jackie, I'm sick. I know. Unless you want to. Jackie. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <sighs> want to do some X? I'm already taking my coat. Tired? Actually, I'm kind of wiped. Mind if we finish this tomorrow? Okay. You're leaving? I gotta let you get some sleep. You really have to be a gullible, like, 19-year-old girl to not realize that he planned on leaving this entire time. Right. And, yeah. And, and she, she, I think, uh, is, you know, she's young, so she's still putting the pieces together. But I think she's pretty quick on the uptake when it comes to Jackie. Because, uh, you know, he leaves this, you know, wonderful, uh, exhilarating game of Scrabble early. Uh, you know, for, for no real reason other than like, I'm going to let you get some sleep, which is a great Jackie Jr. manipulation. Like mm-hmm. he's, he's found his, his, like, uh, his nerve, you know, he, he knows, he knows the rhythm that she wants to hear. And it's like, uh, it's like fake empathy. <laughs> and, uh, so she, he's like, oh man, you're burning up. You know what? I'm going to come by and bring you some echinacea later after I go fuck this prostitute. <laughs> <laughs> What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. One of my um, yeah, this actually made me. This is one of those scenes that made me happy about aging. Um, like, mm. th- there's not many times where, I, like, it, there's certain scenes where I see like the things that a 20 year old dude would do, and then I, and I'm so thankful that I'm not that anymore. That you know, when yeah. you're a 20 year old dude, you're like, oh man, I can't just sit here and play Scrabble. I got to go out and chase some ass and uh yeah i love yeah. the my favorite thing about aging is that that is no longer like a thing anymore you're just like no i would much rather play scrabble than go uh, yeah and sometimes fucking is just like oh 
Really? <laughs> <laughs> like, just sometimes you're just not, Scrabble? you know, you're just yeah. not in the mood. Yeah, you're like, yeah, uh, let's play a board game. How about that? But uh, yeah, but I do love uh, Meadow kind of pretty quickly putting the pieces together. You know, Jackie. Uh, doesn't come over the next night and pretends that he needs to go see a late night mechanic to fix his mom's car, which might be the worst excuse <laughs> the in the is, history of lies. It's a terrible excuse, but it, like he's the one person for whom that might be believable. Where it's just like, That's yeah, true. of course he has, you know, of course he knows a guy and he can only do it at a certain time. Like it, it was believable in that sense. Yeah, and in the moment, uh, one of my my favorite. Uh, things in this episode happens where after she hangs up the phone uh, and hears this terrible excuse she looks back at uh <laughs> looks at the scrabble board the the unfinished game right which and, she's leaving the pieces on like we're gonna finish this one yeah, right, right. <laughs> he's gonna want to finish this it's like you know he was really into the game clearly uh it looks at it and just uh, the camera, the camera just shows uh, ass and poo and the were the words, the, the, the words that he played. And actually, I took a, I took a screenshot uh, or, or I paused the video uh, just to see the whole board. Uh-huh. And the, the I actually got all of the words that he had played. Uh, and it's actually the for me, it's my alternative title to the show is uh, the poo ass was dog because <laughs> those were the words that which is it's amazing one because he used poo and ass like <laughs> this dude is this dude is wild but also all three letter words which is yeah. uh i think she was also putting the pieces together that like this guy is lying about a lot of things including the fact that i don't think he's going to college right yeah <laughs> right so so yeah, I, I I do love that. Mo- it, it just very much. It was very. It was very the end of the usual suspects. Right. right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, like, putting together <laughs> that uh, you know he was a whale and uh, yeah didn't actually play in a barbershop quartet with uh, this guy from <laughs> Skokie, Illinois. Exactly, dude. It's all made up. Uh, and then one thing leads to another. She asks for a friend uh, to um, borrow her car so she can uh, just scout jackie's apartment to see if he is cheating and uh it turns out that he is and yeah. uh, i i have a clip of that what are you doing here they loved you who the hell are you fuck you bitch what'd you say don't ever call me again metal wait yeah you better leave bitch <laughs> fuck is the matter with you it's tony soprano's daughter Oh, what do I care, asshole? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Meta really I saved it. her friend from getting her hair pulled in a jersey <laughs> on a jersey sidewalk because she thought that uh, the she thought this other girl was gonna play by Columbia student rules where you just cuss at each other and no one gets their head bounced off the concrete. Yeah, right. no, that could have gone uh sideways real, real fast. Um I, I do love the friend just being like Bitch. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, hell yeah. Th- thanks for coming. The one the, the one part of the show that I take the most issue with, there's a couple things, but the number one is that the friend set, calls Jackie Jr. a drip. Like she says, oh, he's a drip. And I was oh, like, yeah. such a drip. Excuse yeah. me. I'm Meadows age and I guaranteed no one, <laughs> would, no one would ever call someone a drip in uh, even in 2001. Like that is yeah. a 1987 word. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, that was that was way off. Um, but other than that, her reaction to uh, discovering with her own eyes that Jackie is cheating, um, her reaction is to uh, tell her friends uh, that he was actually really wonderful and then start crying, which yeah. well, she has pretty to justify accurate. her sadness. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's Jackie and Meadow uh, hitting their rough patch, and now I think it is time to talk about what this episode actually was about uh and uh, to me my general thoughts about this episode is that um well every episode about the sopranos is in some way about food um but this one might be the most ultimate food episode of the sopranos ever Polly has to go pick up some money from this russian named valerie and one thing leads to another when he's there and uh you know some murder happens but before we get into that they get stuck in the middle of the Pine Barrens, and all they do this entire episode is talk about how hungry they are. Mm-hmm. Did you guys notice that? Well, yeah, they, they're hungry. They, they spent, but they okay, but they also have been what twelve hours without food, maybe. Well, Chris like, said he's hungry already, and then you know when you're hungry already, and you agree to do a thing, and it's only supposed to take right. like ten minutes, and then it ends up taking way longer, and you're just pissed the whole time because you, you knew can it was taste gonna... that Roy Rogers. You were yeah. eat. <laughs> but I mean, I guess what it is is that if I were in mortal danger, like I'm going to freeze to death, I don't think my first thought would be, "Well, I'm going to starve." You're going to yeah. freeze way before you starve. <laughs> Denny's Grand Slam is what you're yeah. thinking of. Yeah, it was while perfect. That yeah, that's a, Denny's is the perfect thing to fantasize about because it's just it, it's just the um, illusion of abundance. That's Denny's like entire <laughs> selling yeah. point. It's just a it's just a menu full of pictures of giant plates of food that you can gorge yourself on for a dollar ninety nine. It's just surprising to me, It's or it's not surprising, it's funny to me that these guys are so Italian that, like, just going a day and a half without a meal, they're like, well, what am I going to do? <laughs> like, <laughs> I need to eat the food. <laughs> like, like, that is, to me, the most Italian yeah. shit ever was just them just dreaming of meals that they would have and not, like, survival. Like, it was, it was mostly went- meals. I was going to do a little bit of geopolitical analysis uh, Ooh, on this episode because I think it's it's a it's a thing that soprano that the Sopranos does where um, like they present a character character as um, the racist stereotype of them and then and then they like try to build layers uh, onto them and make you feel bad about judging him that way and so like Valeri at this point. He basically represents all of um, the U.S. Uh, all of Americans' uh, stereotypes and misconceptions about Russians, which is yes. that like he's really big. Uh, he's a giant alcoholic, so like they're like they're already pissed that they have to go take money from this guy because they know he's this huge guy that is going to be uh, he's going to be big and tough and not care about the cold and uh, loves vodka. And immediately, Polly gets there, and he's just throwing out all the most offensive uh, stereotypes. Where he's like, yeah. "Oh yeah, but you never seen a TV before." Over Probably there. wiped yeah. your ass with your bare hand before you came to this country. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like everybody who wasn't living in like the American uh, capitalist system was a uh, like backwoods caveman, basically. Right. And um, and then the the show does like a funny thing where it sort of takes all those stereotypes and then 
turns them into like a strength that this guy would have where uh yeah of course he's like a chechen commando and right. and he's killed a bunch of people and he's probably way tougher than you and uh has seen a lot more shit than you have and that's going to be a problem for you which is kind of like the u.s fear of uh the ussr in general was like right. oh these they don't have shit they're over there like wiping their ass with their bare hand but that makes them a lot tougher and that's why we have yeah. to have a lot of nuclear warheads which that's is what... maybe the most american thing ever to be like yeah. uh to to look at uh any country uh with number one just kind of like uh, a stereotypical disdain for what you assume their culture is <laughs> yeah. but then going like but also that culture makes them killers right it's terrifying <laughs> yeah it's yeah just like, i feel like yeah. in in retrospect like i didn't realize that this was before 9-11 like the shot in the intro with the twin towers yeah uh made me like look up and realize oh shit it's like right before 9-11 yeah. and like i'm I'm guessing they just put the Twin Towers in because it fits the aesthetic of, like, crumbling tacky. Like, it's the tackiest mm-hmm. thing about Manhattan. Like, right. it's not none of the grandeur and, like, beauty of Manhattan. It's, like, the shitty big building that you see from the lower boroughs. But, right. like, just this sense of pending doom in America as, like, this naive and soft and unprepared for the coming conflict. Like, <laughs> yes. It, yeah. Like, Polly, we find, like, when we when Tony calls Polly to like do this, he's getting a manicure. Um, and then like <laughs> they just yes. come just completely unprepared. Like when, when they're trying to kill this Chechen, like who this, or this Russian dude who's like killed dozens of Chechens and yeah. like with his bare hands, like they're like, so you want to go to Atlantic city or something? Like when <laughs> yeah. he like attacks them back, like it's, it's just such like, you know american ignorance and stupidity coming up against like people with real problems to just stumble into a situation armed with nothing but your own false preconceptions about other people (laughs) is like right that's basically the entire post 9-11 story and it's uh yeah yeah we're like they don't even know uh, like they don't don't know the names of countries over there and uh, yeah they have no idea what these people have been through but they're like ah let's go kick their ass anyway Right. Yeah. All they know is that it's definitely less than them. Yeah. You know what? Like, <laughs> yeah. like all I know is you are lower on the totem pole uh, geopolitically. Yeah, and you uh, should you should treat me accordingly. Like you should kiss the ring uh, yeah. when I walk in. Yeah, and uh, what I do love is uh, not only is Paulie's opening scene that he is uh, getting a manicure, but his first line is "Let's go with the satin finish." Let's go with the satin finish. <laughs> which <laughs> is uh it's pretty incredible because even his choice in nail gloss is tacky like everything <laughs> yeah. everything about paulie is kind of like this tacky throwback that he thinks is still cool and yeah. uh I, I really enjoyed that the other the other thing that's going on in this episode which i think is more of a like trenchant comment on uh the mafioso life is the fact that this whole thing is supposed to be held together by like personal relationships and friendships and uh you know when you're in the mafia your family and whatnot but uh like the whole thing with the christopher Polly relationship is like Polly just from being a fucking idiot drags christopher into this situation and into where Polly now has to make like life or death decisions that uh 
impact Chris. Like if he's going to throw right. Christopher under the bus in this situation, like he like that affects you know Christopher's very survival, and so it shows why like they can never fully be friends with each other. Like no matter what they say, yeah. with all their like kissing each other, it's all kind of a show because you know as we just saw with big pussy in the last episode like it doesn't matter how much you love the person there may come a time when uh yeah. you know that person has uh it's all it's all comes back to you because if someone has, has become a rat like you have to kill mm-hmm. your best friend now because yeah, yeah. That person's it's, a rat. or if yeah. they take the tic tacs without giving you one <laughs> yeah. yeah so in it's the case. ultimate dog eat dog like worldview and they all have to have it in order to do right that business so like there's that moment when um polly's like you what you think all the shit we've been through you think i could kill you and christopher's like yeah i fucking (laughs) do bro of course (laughs) that's one of the best moments it's a purely uh it's just like i i think there's something about the mafia that's just such uh it displays the most rawest form of capitalism that like it's almost in contrast it's almost acts like it's supposed to be in contrast with like this russian right and uh and I think it's one of the reasons that Pauly, um is, I think, initially a, a little bit wary of being the one to go pick up the money from the Russian because he yeah. just doesn't trust Russians. Yeah, he's scared. Um, I mean, it's the things that we just all talked about. It's just like this. Uh, yeah, it's this unknowable bear that you don't want to poke, you know? Yeah. Have you guys and, seen and, that movie, The Act of Killing? Yes. The, oh, like documentary. Yeah. I always find it so interesting that like their definition of like capitalism and Americanism is gangsters. They're like, yeah, and they're not wrong. Yeah, they like really. (laughs) You can be free like a gangster. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're free to fuck over anyone you want, and just fucking if you want to be the fucking top dog, that's how you earn it. Um, And uh, I do love that uh, Polly teaches Chris uh, about the Cuban Missile Crisis as a <laughs> See, as a real was, thing. That was a moment where I thought they went a little over the top with the sitcom nah. jokes because I don't I don't entirely believe that Christopher wouldn't know about the Cuban Missile Crisis. Well, he knew he knew about it, but he thought it was a movie. Yeah, he's like, oh, that was real. I I hundred percent believe that moment, but I don't know, like that and the the Czechoslovakians, I thought was was fairly plausible especially because it's Polly. but oh yeah that's that to me is that's one of my favorite moments it's like you know we have a segment on the show malapropism corner mm. uh and to me i was like oh this was built for malapropism <laughs> corner uh and i actually i have a clip of that i didn't hear what you said tone so i'm gonna talk fast the guy you're looking for is an ex-commando he killed 16 chechen rebels single-handed get the fuck out of here yeah nice huh he was with the Interior Ministry. Guys, I've got a Russian Green Beret. Tony, you there? I... Fuck! Call me back! You're not gonna believe this. He killed 16 Czechoslovakians. <laughs> Guy was an interior decorator. This house looked like shit. <laughs> yeah, see the interior. I think it's the interior decorator interior line where decorator. I'm like, all right, that was a, th- like you could have left it at Czechoslovakians when they went with interior decorator. I'm like, yeah, that's Listen, like that's like a modern family line, you know. I would have agreed or that's with some you. Shit, you'd see on Home Improvement where uh, Tim has done something wrong and he goes to get advice from uh, his neighbor and then he butchers whatever quote the neighbor told him. You mean the perfect comedy? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah. mean you mean just Emmy winning jokes? <laughs> 
Yeah. Told the, by a uh, told by a cocaine snitch. Um, the, the second no. we just heard the second half of my favorite joke of the episode, which is Tony calls them and goes, "All right, it's a bad connection, so I'm going to talk quick." And they're like, <laughs> "What?" And then he goes, "All right, it's a bad connection, so I'm going to talk quick." <laughs> like bothers to say it again. Yeah, uh, yeah no, that's joke. great. But I I really think that I agree with what you're saying, Vince, in terms of like interior decorator is a little bit much but it was worth it for the tag his his house looked like shit that to me uh it was it was beautiful Super and sitcom. perfect that's like i feel like that's, oh, that's so great joke. comedy that it's a like shit. it's a little yeah. bit below the sopranos level of uh b- a level of commitment to the characters and see uh, you know. vince we've done this podcast for long enough to know that, that you're when it comes to what stuff. you think is below <laughs> the sopranos you're usually wrong you know like the show is great it's one of the greatest shows ever made but Sometimes they go for the sitcom joke, and if it's yeah. a good joke, I'm with it. This was that was I, the first season of Sopranos thing. This was uh, yeah, true. Uh, compare, it doesn't fit necessarily with the previous three or four episodes. Fair enough. Fair with enough. The the one that speaking of first season of Sopranos, the part where he's like on the phone and is like, "Is there any way the package could survive?" <laughs> While AJ is like watching TV, is just watching like, a milk commercial <laughs> or something, milk, with, like the longest milk commercial ever. It's just like so core to what like <laughs> the show is, like mafia family man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that kind of yeah. leads us into uh, it's the '90s, which uh, you yeah. know, two things that are extremely '90s. Um, the well, fact- you got to play the bumper before you oh, fucking. Okay. Sorry, sorry. It's the '90s. Parents are supposed to discuss sex with their children. It's the '90s. It's, it's the '90s. '90s. <laughs> so two the things that- on this show is so fucking good. You <laughs> Thank <guys> are- <laughs> you. So Thank good. you, Jack. You get it. <laughs> two things that are extremely '90s is first when um, when Christopher's complaining about not having eaten anything, and uh, and Polly is like, you, "You didn't have breakfast. This is the most important meal of the day." Oh yeah, and, oh yeah. Uh, and then the the other thing is uh, the milk commercial, and both of those things are basically like inventions of the milk lobby that they like yes. bombarded us <laughs> with right. fucking commercials saying that like in order to be healthy, you have to drink yeah. a shitload of dairy that like you know right. probably fifteen percent of you are going to be allergic to, and. Uh, and yeah. you know you have to have breakfast in the morning, which we've since gone the other way from. Now yeah. it's like, oh, you gotta like intermittently fast if you not want to be uh, a fat ass. But uh, you know, for a right. time there in the '90s, the milk lobby really had us high on breakfast and on milk in general. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. I feel like the milk lobby and the bread lobby teamed together, and they're like, you know what, you need to do every day. Drink a lot of milk, eat a lot of bread. (laughs) Everything else doesn't matter. But make sure you do it early in the morning. This definitely won't raise an entire country of obese people. This will be good. They're like the secretly powerful mafia behind (laughs) the 20th century. They they knew as early as the World War II when they had to ration milk. That was the only time heart disease in America went down. Yeah, right. (laughs) They they were like, yeah, fuck that. We're going to... Yeah, this episode, hard. The Real Gangster is the milk lobby. Yeah, I think right. we can all agree. It's really funny. I mean, I watched, uh, it's like you don't notice how much fatter we've gotten as a nation until you watch old movies. And mm. like I watched Deliverance this week, and um, like the entire thing is like, uh, Burt Reynolds constantly calling Ned Beatty chubby, and he's like, he's constantly making fun of him for being a fat, a fat guy. And like you look at Ned Beatty, and it's like, 
this guy's maybe 10 pounds overweight, but like yeah. his entire his entire character is to be Piggy from Lord of the Flies, which is uh which is great. And and same thing, there was like a John Belushi documentary that's on Showtime right now, and I watched it cuz I've never been able to really understand why people thought John Belushi was so funny. And like half yeah. of his jokes are about him being like a fat slob. And if you yeah. look at John Belushi, you're like, that's just like a regular looking guy. Yeah, no, that's just a guy. I think the reason that I, I'm the same way with Belushi, and I think it's because Chris Farley like built his entire like sensibility on top of Belushi. So mm-hmm. like we have the better like refined version of Belushi. So he just and the actually fat one, yeah. right? And he's actually fat. Yeah, he he lived it, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I I feel like people in the '70s. We're off topic, but I feel like people's uh, things that they thought were funny and things that they thought were cool kind of intersected a lot more. Yeah, uh, and in, like in the a 70s. comedian, a comedian back then, I think was just someone who was. I don't think they had. I don't think they separated talented from like funny because like you watch I watched yes. John Belushi and I'm like oh yeah he could sing and he could act and yeah. like he was uh, he, he was clearly multi talented but I don't necessarily like laugh at him and I think back right. then they didn't really separate those things yeah no they were just kind of like uh, they 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 thought talent was funny or something I don't know what it was I mean but you look at like who was the biggest uh, stand up comedian you know uh, in the in the late seventies it was Steve Richard Martin. Pryor, right? Oh, well, yeah, well I would say Steve Martin. He was yeah. he was like the first stadium comic. That's right. And I, can someone explain to me why the fucking King Tut dance is funny? Oh, no. I thought that was funny. I thought that was I'll fun. never Beca- understand. No, it's it. funny because of the way he set it up. He set it up by saying that uh, it was like supposed to be a retrospective at like the Met or something, and oh. that he and he'd done this like culturally appropriate. He contacted the scholars of ancient Egypt to do like this culturally uh, appropriate dance uh, in, in honor of the Egyptians, and then he does the whole thing where he does okay a stupid so there's a dance. setup to it yeah and it, like when you get the context like that one is actually funny i think yeah that's, the arrow that's... through the head while playing the banjo is actually based on neurology yeah but to me it's like shit like uh shit, it's more so shit like blues brothers yeah no one has ever been I mean, able to successfully explain the joke steve martin and also does tend towards the kind of comedy that is just a guy showing off his theater skills but right uh, and, but I, and and i think yeah. I, yeah i think that was a thing with belushi too it was like he was like uh he was a ball of energy and uh yeah, I don't know. Then again, at the same time, some some the thing about comedy is it just uh, you know, it doesn't last. It has no shelf life. So like fucking, you know, people will be like, "You know who is really funny? Sam Kinison." And then I'll try to watch and I'll be like, "He <laughs> hates his shit. wife. He <laughs> hates his wife a lot. I don't know what yeah. to tell you." I like think, where you, you know yeah. what I Do think? you guys like Airplane? I love Airplane. I, uh, I like Airplane, but uh, to me, I'm like uh, I'm more of a naked gun Zucker Brothers yeah, but guy. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it's, sa- it's, it's same. But yeah, I love airplane. But I think part of it, I think part of our sensibility is fucked up because I think a part of it comes from uh, documentary directors not knowing what was funny about that person. It's kind of yeah, like true when you're a comic and uh, you know you're giving someone like a series of headshots. You know they're always gonna pick like the fucking stupidest bah. one. Yeah, right, exactly. Because that's what they think is funny because they don't yeah. understand. Uh, no, of jokes. course he's funny. He's one of his eyebrows is up. Yeah, so like <laughs> when people make documentaries about John Belushi and Steve Martin and like Andy Kaufman. 
Kaufman and whoever, like they pick shit that they remember, but they don't set up like why it was funny and they don't give like the whole joke. So you just get this yeah. weird snippet of a guy doing a dumb face and you're like, yeah, I don't they're giving that. you something visually stimulating, like, uh, like, you know, uh, like Belushi moshing, uh, at Saturday night live when fear was playing, you know, mm, it's like, yeah. it's like, that's cool, but that's not a joke. That's like, there's no joke there. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, the King Tut thing's a great example though. Cause I, I always just thought he was like in a King Tut outfit, like doing a silly dance i didn't realize yeah that he built i built it up like that that's actually really funny yeah without without that setup you, you really lose everything and uh it's good to know because personally i love steve martin movies so I've, I've always thought he was the funniest but then i tried to uh watch the or watch king tut just the song and i was like what is the joke <laughs> yeah. yeah what is it i'm still that way with blue blues brothers and we've talked about this blues before. Bro- we've talked about it before but again blues brothers it's just that they're cool all right we're moving on we're, we're back to sopranos sopranos is funny and remains funny i'll say that uh no matter what vince says about it being too sitcom he had my favorite moments um <laughs> But yeah, so uh, so I, I one of the other parts that I, I and we've kind of covered this a little bit, but what I really love about Paulie's uh, kind of disdain and distrust about uh, you know of Russians is that he he's also super resentful about the fact that Valerie uh, has like an entire stereo system mm-hmm. and he he's mad that like this person is is benefiting from uh american uh consumerism like that to him is like a bridge too far mm. like he's just like look at you over here with your listening to music your tower of cds your universal remote and like that's what sets him over the edge uh he's along doing- with He's doing the nativist yeah. thing where he's pissed that another ethnic group has come to America and is doing the exact same thing as his grandfather did. Uh, right. Right. Yeah. Pull up and, the ladder uh, after you. Yes. And I actually, I have a, I have a clip of that uh, scene. Look at this shit. TV. Stereo. DVD. The fuck's this? Universal remote. Universal remote. Probably wiped your ass barehanded till you came to this country. <laughs> Put remote on docking station. What? Universal remote. Put it down on docking station. Listen to this prick giving orders. You got some balls, my friend. Whoops. Holy. What? It was an accident. Ah. Uh, you want to fuck here? Cocksucker. You come to my house. What did you call me? A few moments later. What the fuck? What'd you do? Would I have a choice? <laughs> what what did I have a choice? Maybe you did, Paulie. Yeah, it it, it might have been real, a choice. I liked the slapstick of that whole fight scene, even even though I think in real life uh, Valeria would have kicked both of those guys' asses. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. I mean, you know, he fucking uh he did later when uh, they tie him up, but they roll him, by the way, in a, his his Russian rug wall or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I guess in Russia, they got rugs on walls, which is great. Put rug wall uh, back on docking wall. <laughs> yeah, put rug back on docking wall. Uh, and uh, yeah, he does end up uh, kicking their ass after it turns out they didn't kill him uh, and that they've just been driving around with an angry Russian man in their trunk for a while. Um <laughs> 
and he is able to uh, escape, which is also a great scene. And and I have a clip of that. Freezing out here. Hey, asshole. Don't you know better than to wear pajamas in the middle of winter? <laughs> Shut up. I didn't count the gunshots, but I feel like Christopher fired his gun at least like 20 times and yeah. uh yeah, and I, and he doesn't strike me as the type of guy to bring an extra clip out there with him, but who knows? No, no, I don't think they uh, prepared very much at all for this outing, uh, being that, uh, you know, Chrissy didn't even have breakfast. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to save some time. Like, obviously, the big question of the episode and the reason that we remember it is that uh, this Russian may have gotten shot. He may not have gotten shot. He just escapes off into the woods, um, which is a thing that happens usually when you're hunting like you. You don't know if you actually hit something and it runs off, and you're like, "Oh shit!" Um, yeah. But so this is uh, this is why the Wikipedia entry for this episode is so long, is because it has like all the all the creators like answers to this question of what happened oh. to this rushing. Because that's a stupid thing that everybody in entertainment journalism does is you know. They ask stupid, unanswerable questions like what is in the suitcase in Pulp Fiction as if right. there's supposed right. to be an answer to it and that, uh, you know, these things are not MacGuffins. Um, right. But so David Chase's first answer, they shot a guy. Who knows where he went? Who cares about some Russian? This is what Hollywood has done to America. Do you <sighs> have to have closure on every little thing? Isn't there any mystery in the world? It's a murky world out there. It's a murky war- life these guys lead. And by the way, I do know where the Russian is, but I'll never say because so many people get so pissy about it. <laughs> I, 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 I like, you know, I know that I know David Chase has listened to at least a little bit of one episode before, and I don't know if he'll ever if he's continuing to listen or anything. But I will say I'm fucking sick and tired of that guy. All right, every time we hear an answer. <laughs> from david chase about anyone asking him a question it's always like why do you even care and it's like yeah. i don't know dude because <laughs> i'm talking to you yeah, yeah. yeah. well it's I, like i'm already in the room talking to you it's like half of these he's just yelling at interviewers about questions they have that they probably don't care that much about <laughs> they're like i don't know i was told to ask where the russian is yeah i think what it is is i feel like david chase was probably he it seems like he gets so fed up with uh studio notes i feel like he yeah. probably got studio notes asking this shit constantly throughout the production and he was like yeah no fuck you but then but then he weirdly takes it out on the audience <laughs> right he does he's like why do you fucking piggies want to know what happened to tony huh what are you you got nothing else in your life and it's like you are yelling at an old lady in the middle of the street <laughs> yeah. is she, is yeah. he like he ended up after sopranos didn't he make like some rock and roll like movies yeah. or something i wonder if he's like Did influenced he? by like punk and like the whole like rock aesthetic of being like you know uh counter to what like because what he just did there is he criticized the audience for wanting to know this thing he left intentionally ambiguous and then he said there was an answer which is like the exact (laughs) thing that they are dying for that's going to make them continue wanting to know the answer so he's like intentionally be like doing a teasing thing and it feels like he's doing it in a way that's like 
fuck the audience because I think he like thinks that's cool and yeah he definitely thinks that uh, open disdain for the audience is cool which it is he's not wrong no but I think what pisses me off about it is that like it it can't be every answer man sometimes (laughs) well I think sometimes you gotta be like oh here's what happened or just admit like oh no we wanted to keep it ambiguous it doesn't matter it's a nice uh he's a human MacGuffin that uh you just worry about for the rest of the series cool to say fuck the audience I'm doing what I want but I feel like what David Chase does is he says fuck the audience I'm going to do the exact opposite of what I know they want, which is basically letting the audience control the narrative in the same way as doing what they want would be, Um, which is very much like the finale like that. The the finale ending, I think, is very much like I'm going to I'm going to sacrifice the show. I'm going to sacrifice my own vision just to say, fuck you. Yeah. Are you guys going to do like an entire season for the finale? I feel like you could do an entire season (laughs) on that. Yeah, I mean, we probably should. At some point, this uh, this podcast is gonna have more listeners than our than our actual podcast, and we're gonna be like, uh, "All right, this last episode is gonna last ten years." <laughs> so, yeah, please well, never stop listening. The episodes, these episodes, do keep getting longer as we keep making the show, and to the point where we are gonna have to start splitting them up, maybe. But um, yeah. So, in the same article, Sirico said that Chase wrote a sixth season scene where Christopher and Polly chanced upon Valeri outside a bar and promptly shot him to death, but it was removed from the script, possibly by Chase. Uh, quote, I think David didn't like it. He wanted the audience just to suffer. Yeah, yeah. that sounds right. That yeah. sounds like what he's into. Um, so, yeah, I, in, in general, uh, obviously, um, this the dynamic between Chris and Polly, I think, is is really what, has made this kind of one of the more popular episodes uh of the sopranos because they're they're really funny but also because you uh you see kind of them uh pretty rapidly turn into the most base versions of themselves you know like immediately they're like all right one of us is gonna have to kill the other one for food you know you can feel that that tension um and what i love is that it all kind of culminates with a uh, a fight that they have in which Chrissy is worried that Polly will quote choke him, which is a very specific uh, like way to die. Uh, and I I have a a clip of this fight scene. Do yourself a favor, Chrissy, and go back to fucking sleep. Why? So you could choke me? What? Think I'm stupid? I heard you on the phone trying to blame this on me. What are you talking about? You fucked up with the Russian prick. Now you're worried about Tony. You wait till I'm asleep, then you'll choke me so he'll just have your version. Choke you right now, you fuck! I'll leave you here, you want you cocksucker! Put it down, crazy bunch. You know how fast I can run, I'll leave you in the fucking dust! Holy shit, we've been through. You think I really kill you? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Just you one shoe cocksucker, and then also threatening him with how fast he can run. Yeah, you know how fast I can run. <laughs> I just love the versions of themselves they become when they're in mortal danger. When you're hanging out with guys like Bobby Bacala and uh, Polly and fucking Vito, and yeah, it's like being he clearly is the fastest guy in the mafia. Yeah, 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 for sure. yeah, and uh, then, you know, they do eventually get rescued, and Tony, 
yells uh, at Polly for you know being the cause of this, and uh, and then Polly's just looking out the window eating a sandwich, which I I do love that they got in the end they got their sandwiches, which they acted like saved their lives more than being in the warmth, right. Right. Like they acted like, oh, the problem was they were starving and <laughs> not not the problem was hypothermia, you know? Yeah. Um, I do feel like the what one of the reasons this episode like sticks with me and like uh was still there when I rewatched is just like how uncanny like the way that it captures like uncanny realities, like the guy being invincible and like the Rasputin like aspect of it is mm-hmm. like the sort of thing that seems too strange to happen, but like those are the sorts of things that do happen. And then the car being gone and you don't know if he took it or not. Right. And then like when they're shooting at him and they actually shoot a deer and Christopher (laughs) says, if we were trying, we wouldn't have come close. Like there's like a really, uh, sort of uncanny like reality that I feel like this show, this specific episode touches on that mm-hmm. is very subtle and like you don't, I don't know, I, I don't think I've ever seen it on TV. Yeah. 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 Do we want to go uh, favorite, least favorite? Yeah. Let's, uh, let's wrap it up with favorite, least favorite. Uh, uh, Jack, do you have like a favorite scene or, or least favorite scene? Uh, definitely a favorite, the my favorite scene that we haven't talked about yet is when Bobby uh shows up in his hunting gear <laughs> and Tony laughs at him, which is like so I feel like this is before comedies would ha like let the characters laugh at funny things that happened in the show, but like, right. he appropriately he reacts appropriately to Bobby showing up in hunting gear, uh just looking absurd it it made me think that it it was real it felt like it it was such a good acting job that i was like is this acting or is this not just the funniest thing he's ever (laughs) fucking seen yeah Yeah. um mine is related to that which is uh when when tony is in the car with bakala and tony starts apologizing and and he's asking bakala about his life and and bakala starts opening up and he thinks that like this is finally going to be the moment where you know they 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 open up to each other and treat each other like equals and then he tells the joke (laughs) he's like now that we're broing down i'm going to tell you this joke about uh the bear left uh where these two guys are out hunting and they see the see a sign that says bear left and so they left uh, or so they drive off. Uh, I forget exactly how it goes, but so they go home. But yeah. but, but the joke just completely falls uh, flat, and, <laughs> and he realizes he has to go back to being the shit upon underling. Right? Yeah, he was so close. He yeah. was so close. Yeah. Um, my favorite uh, is not a scene. Um, it's every mention of food, and I actually I made a mashup of them uh, talking all the times they talked about uh, food during their premise. Got a Roy Rogers over there. You hungry? First things first, Chrissy. I know. I'm just saying. I didn't eat breakfast. Most important meal. Let's take them down to Pine Barrens. Fuck that. I got to eat something. We'll go to Morton's. Have a steak. This way today won't be a total loss. How can we be lost like this? We're in fucking New Jersey. Maybe we should eat some of these berries. Are you nuts? Shit like that could be poisonous. You don't know. What's that? Nathan's bag. Fuck, there's some ketchups and shit. They clean? I don't know. They're in the bag. 
My bad. Mix it with the rubbish. You shouldn't have hit the gun. I shouldn't have even been there. And what's your fucking plan? Eat catch a pack? We should have stopped at Roy Rogers. And I should have fucked the 11th, but I didn't. We're fucking starving out here. All right, just stay calm. Bring some food, all right? Some fucking shoes, too. What are those, Tic Tacs? You had Tic Tacs all along? Give me some. There ain't no more. Selfish prick, <laughs> I'm dying here. They're fucking dying already. Where you going? Don't go out there. I'm eating those berries. I'm telling you, they're poison. I don't give a shit. <laughs> At least I won't die hungry. First place I'm hitting is Denny's. I know. Get like five of those Grand Slam breakfasts. <laughs> Motherfucker! What are you doing? What if we need the bullets? <laughs> yeah. Shooting his shoe. Every mention of the berries. That's what stuck with me, I think. This is the one thing in this episode that has stuck with me for years is what if we eat those berries? Now, whenever I'm on a hike or anything and I just see wild berries, I think of Chris being like, I'm going to eat those berries. I just think of Into the Wild. I'm like, I'm not going to eat those berries. I'm going to be like uh, fucking uh, Emil Hirsch. Super Tramp. Yeah, dying because he ate the goddamn berries. Yeah, shouldn't eat those berries, dude. Shouldn't eat those berries. All right. Well, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I would rate this episode. I think solid B plus. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to agree with you. Definitely, you know, the most solid of B pluses. Yeah. What about you, Jack? What, what what rating would you give this episode? Um, you know, it's probably my favorite episode of TV of all time. Uh, so I'd probably go solid B plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's fair. That is fair. Uh, Jack, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. Where can people uh, find you online? Uh, You can listen to me twice a day at the Daily Zeitgeist with uh, former guest Miles Gray. Yeah. And these guys every once in a while. Uh, Hell yeah. And you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. Check out nowhere else. Check out Jack underscore O'Brien on Twitter and the Daily Zeitgeist, which is twice a day now. Is that new? Yeah, Uh, we do the regular episode with a guest, and then we just tell people what like five things that are trending in the afternoon. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. Hell yeah! So check that out. It is good stuff. Thank you so much for coming on uh, patreon.com slash fraudcast for all the bonus episodes of our regular scheduled podcast, the fraudcast, uh, which is it's like this podcast, but we talk about other things other than the Sopranos. If you want to support us, uh, patreon.com slash fraudcast. Hey, support this podcast support support with all the bonus content that you would get by becoming a patron. Yeah. Imagine if you could listen to this podcast, but about other things. That's crazy. Well, you can at patreon.com slash fraudcast, fraudcast at gmail.com for all your questions, comments, concerns. Vince, what is the Google voice number? 415-275-0030. We'd love to hear your voicemails. You know, tell us, ask us questions about the show. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm still waiting to hear some, uh, like, run-ins that people had with the cast members. I know you guys got those stories. I want to hear them. Yeah, I know. I got a tweet today that someone said they have a great David Chase story. We would love to hear it. So call the Google Voice or send us an email. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. And until next time, don't stop believing. Don't stop. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.